to Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, gosh, welcome back, Christina. I am so excited about today's topic. I think I say that every week, but it's true, true, true. Today, we're talking about friendship. And mm. you know I'm crazy about this topic. You oh, know that yes. about me. Yes, yes. You and know, I think you and we I, friends. <laughs> yeah, we really value true friendships. And yeah, the way Christina and I became friends, Christina reached out to me after we met on a Zoom that I was hosting for an event in our other business. And she basically said she wanted to get to know me and be friends. And I was so struck by that because that's what I think we should do as women. We need to ask for what we want. And I'm like, this is my kind of girl. So we're going to have deep into friendships, um, making friendships, maintaining friendships when you need to leave some relationships with best-selling author Elizabeth Duncan Hawker. She's wrote an incredible book called Collecting True Friends. And I'm going to go beyond the word book and call it a guide because mm. I love that it has actionable items in every chapter. I'm a meat and potatoes Tell me what to do next, girl. And so I love that you've incorporated that. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Oh, ladies, it's wonderful to be here. And we collected each other months and months ago. So I love that you talked about right out of the bat. Christina collected you as a friend. And yeah, that's that's the intentional action of stepping up. Thank you for having me today. Mm. I love that you use the word collecting, too, because that implies choice. And it applies something special and I keeping your, you're getting something and you're bringing it close to you and it has value and you're, you're keeping that you are, you are sitting in that. So I love the language you've used here. So it's a great book, right, Christina? It really is. It helps you to really navigate some key things that I think people miss along the way as they're building relationships with other people. And it, like you said in the beginning, Gail, it gives you a guide of kind of like do's and don'ts. And really, is this working for you? Is this not working for you? When do you engage more? When do you pull back? You know, just all of these things that are super important to relationships as a whole. And I love that we go wide and deep in building relationships. And that's what this book has really said to me is that this is like building relationships wide and deep, not just for okay. the surface, right? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. powerful. I love to hear the reactions that that every every reader takes something away that's different. And and it's kind of like when you you pick up any good book, if you even if you pick up the Bible, you can read something the first time and you don't get it. And then you can pick that same book up and read it a couple months later, a couple years later, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, now it's the time I'm ready to hear that. And Christina, I love that, that you're like, it goes wide and deep. And um, that was the purpose. And I'm so delighted to be here on Midlife Moxie because I'm in the fifties. And I got to tell you, you know, as being in my fifties, I knew 20 years ago, working 60 hour work weeks and raising three daughters and having a husband and taking care of my mom and dad and all the things that we try to sandwich in in our lives as a busy working woman, 
I knew back then I better make sure that I pay attention to the friends that I have with me and who's going to move forward with me because I may not always be at this job. I may not always be at this place in my life. Things change. And also, I'm going to be real candid with you. There were some people I was hanging out with that their values did not continue to evolve like mine did. And I really think that values and beliefs, and we talk about that as a core Mm -hmm. substance in the book, that you got to know who you are. And sometimes we don't know who we are in our 20s. And and we will will tolerate some stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. that that normally we we won't tolerate. Yeah, so this is so important. So where did this book birth from? It, it sounds like a little bit of transitioning for you um, as you walked into your 50s. Is that is that just the foundation of it or is there is there more to the story, Elizabeth? <laughs> Give me the scoop, right? Give us well, the tea. Was, I, like, I want the background on this. <laughs> Give me the down low, right? We're the Oprah uh, slash Barbara yeah. Walters. If we don't cut you to the core and make you cry, it's not been a good episode, right? I love it, right? right? Well, Just kidding. My my dad was civil service, which is like military. And we moved seven times before I became a high school kid. And I got to tell you, so. and if anybody, you know, I know we, we can only hear each other here, but if you pick up the book, you'll see it. So I'm, I'm very, very fair. I've got long red hair long limbs and freckles. I did not look like anybody else. And we moved seven times. And every time we moved, not only was I the new kid, but then I was like, who's the weird redhead over there that looks Mm. like she's going to trip all over her legs. And so, you know, you have a choice with, are you going to make lemonade or are you going to just suck on the lemons in your life? And I wanted friends. So I had to make the decision early on as a kid that like, okay, well, people are going to be mean. People are going to say what they want. But at the end of the day, I'm new to town. I'm going to find some good friends. Well, I carried that philosophy everywhere I went after I graduated high school and then into business. So I've always made it a concentrated effort to get better at it. However, what I noticed, and back to your answer, Christina, is that I also noticed that the women in the offices that were in their 40s and 50s that were older than me at the time saw no value. And why do I need why do I need to connect with somebody younger? Why do I need to connect with somebody junior to me in a position? Why do I need to connect with my peers? I'm here to bust the, through the ceiling and make CEO. And it, and I just remember standing back in my 30s going, you all really don't understand how important friendships are in your life. Now, of course, that we've gone through the pandemic, everybody's starting to wake up and we're going, oh, you know what? I'm missing people or I'm noticing that I haven't been missed by people because they haven't reached out. Maybe they don't miss me anymore. So I think it comes down to, so it's, it wasn't so much a crisis on my side. It was an awareness factor that I had to deal with. And Mm -hmm. then it was a divine download for me. I, you know, I got the inspiration, like you need to put this out there because people aren't getting this concept and they're screwing it up. And maybe also because I had to listen to friends vent about other people like, oh, my mm. gosh, how did I get this person in my life? What did I do wrong? Or how do mm. I let go of this person? Or how do I get better friends like you, Elizabeth? Well, you know what you I know, love? Yeah. That you said. Sorry, Gail. I was just going to tie it into um, Tabitha. When we had Tabitha on, she was talking about networking in your job. And one thing that stood out to me is that you looked at the women who were in their 40s and their 50s, and they're like, I don't need friends. And 
they don't have any friends. So your, your circle gets smaller and smaller. And then what does that mean for your job? you know, your job or your career change, you know, the networking of how you move out of that gets smaller and smaller. So I love that you talked about that. And I think that we need to hear more about that because we all need friends. We all need confidants. We all need that. Yeah. Especially women, especially women in business. But you know, for so many years we were taught to, and, and I'm talking over the last 20 day, 20 years, but we were taught to compete against each other because it was a man's world. And I never came to it with that philosophy. I always thought, hey, if I can give you a leg up, you can pull me up. We can help each other scale up over this hill together. And uh, But a lot of women didn't see it that way. They saw it as that they were by themselves. They got to that position and um, they and it was a sign of weakness being surrounded by uh, other women in the organizations. And I think now that uh, with the new generations coming in, we have a whole new understanding of that. You know, there's a lot more inclusion. And my book is all about inclusiveness. It's all about I don't care what you look like, sound like, walk like, where you come from. I just need to know that you got the values and beliefs that are going to align with mine and you're going to be a good person and make me a better person and hold me to that with you. That's why the subtitle of the book, the title is Collecting True Friends. However, the subtitle is Be a Magnet to Those Worthy of Your Time and Devotion. Mm. And and we all devote ourselves to people. We devote ourselves to our family, to our pets, to God. We also devote ourselves to our friends and we and we forget. It's like, oh, but are they really worthy of my devotion? And then wait a minute, did I act worthy of someone's friendship that is really stellar and I want to be a I want to have more of that friendship? We have an accountability to ourselves to ask because sometimes and I've done it, we've all acted like cruds sometimes and and then what do you do? <laughs> What? What are you talking about? I want to back up to this idea, you know, of people who are not really open to making new friends or they're limiting their friends because I have this theory that friendships, we have like a friendship parking lot. And for some people, they only have a few parking spaces. It's like when you go downtown or something and their I got, spaces. I got thousands. Are, yeah. Their spaces are all full. And they're not looking for any more. I mean, they're totally content with the friends they have. And then you've got Christina and Gail who are over (laughs) here like, I'll pay more space. Let's buy the lot across the street. More friends. What could be greater than more friends? And I I do think personality has a lot to do with it. Say that again, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. I was going to say I could hear the dump truck going, and and you're paving more pavement. We will make a spot for you because my theory is you can't have too many real friends. Now, there is this idea that how many people can you be super intimately related to? And I do think that is worth pause and that's worth consideration because if you're going to have people in your very inner, innermost circle, which I envision my friends like a series of concentric rings. And, you know, as the rings get smaller, there are fewer and fewer people. And the people that are on those closest rings, I really owe back. You know, I'm in a relationship where I can depend on them and they need to be able to depend on me. So I don't think we can hold everyone in that type of super close space, but it doesn't mean they can't be in one of the rings. It doesn't mean we can be a casual friend where, you know, we may dip in and out of closeness over the years. 
But this whole idea that a couple of friends are enough for you, I just want to speak to the ladies today because things happen in life. You move, people get sick, people die, people move on, people remarry, and that can change a lot of dynamics. And if you only have one or two friends, I think you're setting yourself up for some potential loneliness. And I also want to speak to this idea of like the women in your office only being friends with people in your age group. I tend to run with younger people. I still think I'm cool for some reason. I'm confused. I'm, I'm aware. But Christina is about 10 years younger than me. And we're, you know, tied as peas in a pod. And my other Jerusha, one of my dearest, bestest, long-term friends, she's about 10 years younger than me. But we get together and it, you know, it's good it because sense. we had children the same age. Um, not my oldest, but my second my second litter, I like to say. So I think sometimes age is more about a season and people who cannot see that or see the value of being friends with people younger than older, you're really missing it. There's something special there. And honestly, I think it's something society has set up. Like with our school system, you only play with the other third graders. And we homeschooled my youngest child. And so he never came up with that mentality. When you're homeschooled, you'll play with anybody that's breathing because <laughs> you don't have 30 kids who get to see every day. So those it's been discussed in homeschool circles that they develop differently as far as their mindset about older and younger and different types of people. So what do you think makes women want to just have a couple of friends and not stretch anymore? Because I'll be honest, from my personality, that's a foreign concept. One is they've modeled it off of their parents or they were told, why do you need more friends? I'm your best friend. And then, and we have another best friend. There's the three of us. There's the four of us. It's the three amigos. It's the four, four musketeers. It's so we put this kind of labels on ourselves that, that the people we hang with are not inclusive. So if there's somebody that's moved into the neighborhood and it's the four of you that's always goes to lunch once a month, but yet this person should be invited. The other, if someone says, Hey, well, what about, you know, such and such, she's also into what we're into, you know, tennis or, or she's a soccer mom or whatever the thing is, it's going to bond you. Right. Or like in my world, she's writing a book, you know, that got to be a big thing that anybody that was writing a book, I seem to be attracting that. Right. However, if you're with friends that say, no, it's always us who go out or we always do it this way. Or we always... So that, that's one of the big things. The other thing, and I want to throw this out to people. I hope it, I hope it lands well. Okay. Cause I, cause I'm, I'm a, if not, we'll head. just, we'll, yeah, fig okay. we'll figure it you out. Land, girl. land that plane, baby. I'm going to say, I'm going to land this plane here. If you want to have friends that are younger than you. And I highly recommend it. I'm going to say that because Gail, you just named all the reasons why the people are going to disappear from your life by the time you hit midlife moxie. Okay. You're going to either, you're going to have deaths. You're going to have moving. You're going to have divorce. You're going to have, or then you're just going to have people. You're just like, Ooh, you, they've gotten mean. I don't like them anymore. But that inner circle is going to dwindle, start dead down. I mean, pretty soon you're just going to be a pencil. Okay, if you don't keep bringing people in and when you bring in the younger people into your circle, what's going to happen is then your awareness of the different like music. We, before we got on, we were talking about different types of music. Your exposure 
is going to be so much wider than you even knew about. You're going to understand about different countries. I love to bring in people from all over the world into my inner circles. I've learned more in the last year having Turkish friends about the dishes that they cook and that their customs that I never knew before. Okay. And then the same way that they're learning about American customs. So if you can expand it, but here, here's the truth bomb. If you show up looking like the church lady, I'm talking like you got your hair all a certain way and your clothes are all a certain way and you look like you're older than you are. And I've seen a lot of 40, 50 year old women that look like they're pushing 60 and 70. Okay. Do not, my friends, expect 30 and 40 year old women to see you as a potential good friend. They might see you as a mentor. They might see you as um, some uh, uh, someone to give uh, motherly advice from. But if you want to be on that social level with them and have girlfriend conversations and really get to know them, and then Gail, you're a perfect person they can work with. Work on being current looking. You know, if, get your Take face. It. You got to be cool like Christina and myself. That's what you're really saying, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. That, that, but, but there is a level like, and I've told my husband this, for example, I took my husband over to a, a different uh, store because every time he came home with a new blazer on, I'm like, what did some guy from like the Rotary Club sell this to you? Like you were not this old looking, you know? And then I took him to Nautica and I picked the 25, 30 year old guy and I'm like, put him in a blazer. He put on a, this, a same navy blue blazer, but it was cut different. This, and he looked 15 years younger and he felt younger. So my, my point is, is work with somebody to work on what your image is. Because if you want to attract younger people, and I highly recommend that you bring in people of all different ages, shapes, sizes, races, places from around the world, you look at them based on their values and their beliefs and what the type of person that they are and how they answer questions and how they treat other people. You change your standards on that, then you can open up. You can go 10, 15, 20 years younger, and you can go 10, 15 years, 20 years older. So that because all of a sudden you're appealing to both age groups. Does that make sense? Because there is such a thing as age. You know, I have a, I have this, this thought. And so, so let me understand this. (laughs) Well, I am a big connector. It's, it's one of my strength finders. That's, you know, Gail and I are both that way. We just, we can't wait for you to meet our other friends. Oh, you gotta meet my friend Susie. Oh, Oh, you're going to love her. It's, it's, it's like the thing when I first met Gail and we started to converse and we started to, you know, really dive deep into our friendship. And, and I'm an intergenerational girl anyway. So like if I have the youngsters talking to me, I'm like, yeah, let's dive in. Let's talk. You know, what are you doing for college? And, you know, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And then if I have a older, I'm like, cool, like I can gain some. But wisdom. I look younger, right, Christina? Yes, you do. Uh, but I can gain wisdom and understanding and all of that great stuff. But here's here's what I heard you saying is, is it OK to just throw your friends together in a hodgepodge of, you know, I guess like a meetup or whatever, and just say, these are my friends. This is my new friend meet her because that's, that's what I did with Gail. I was like, y'all got to meet Gail. She is funnier than shit. Y'all are going to love her. And every single person, Elizabeth, that I have introduced her to 
in my friend circle is like, oh my gosh, she's so funny. Oh my gosh. I mean, my after daughter, they translated. Uh, yeah. My daughter <laughs> thinks she's just the best thing since apple pie. I love her. <laughs> love her. She's a unicorn. She really is. You can, cause Gail, you can blend. Yeah, I mean, you're just, you're such, you're both of you all are such gifts. Uh, answer your question, Christina. I used to believe that. I used to believe that, yeah, absolutely, let's get them all together. And what I realized, if somebody's newer in my circle, I would highly recommend to, to the listeners today, have a few times where you take the person to something else before you mix them into your circle. Like, for example, um, I have a museum membership and they have private events. They'll put on like, you know, have like a, a, a band playing and maybe some hors d'oeuvres and you can buy inexpensive tickets. Bring some guests. I like to see how that person interacts with other people when they think that I'm not looking. Because what I've made the mistake, I used to be just like that, Christina, and in my 30s, I'd go, oh, yeah, come on, everybody come in. And then what happened is it was kind of like that um, that movie where with Bruce Willis' date night, and he brings Kim Bassinger there, and, and he doesn't realize she has a drinking problem, and then she turns into a different person, and you <laughs> Like, that was funny. So, yeah. So I have, I have learned that I like to, if I'm new to a relationship with somebody, I like to see them socially in a different setting and put them in some environments and see how they're responding to different people before then I weave them into my inner circle, because I don't want to find out that there's something seriously off. And then I go, Oh, I did not know that about like, like one of the people that, that I didn't know that about a couple of years ago, is she had a really nasty flair about politics and she waited until like she was mixed inappropriately. And, um, and it just all of a sudden, and the, everyone just kind of started gasping. So it was, it was, and, and I'm thinking, why would you bring that up? Why would you do? And I'm thinking you wanted to make new friends. You wanted to meet my friends. Why are you doing this? So it was really Shut interesting. Shut your pothole is what you wanted to say. <laughs> Shut your pothole. I mean, you know, Elizabeth. Sorry, on our show, I, I just got to say, you know, we avoid talking about politics and religion because we know those are such incendiary topics and they split a lot of people and those conversations are best held and in situations, see, yeah, where there's relationship, it. where you can truly, you know, unpack it all, not in, you know, a soundbite. But I want to, I want to. I'm sorry. I was going to say there was another woman that she invited me to lunch. And then when we're there, she orders like two huge goblets of, of Merlot at 11 o'clock in the morning, downs them before we even get lunch going. And then Dang. leaves me with the and, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I paid the bill. And I thought, you are not going to make it in my energy. And then she wanted to know, when can I meet your friends? And I'm thinking, probably not. So spend some time. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, but people it was like, do oh, need to be vetted before they're brought yeah. into the circle. I, I, I do believe that. I'm but I want to go back to you were speaking about that friend in your group who may be the limiter. She may be jealous or insecure about your relationship with her, or it, there may be something going on. You're the professional. I want to hear from you about, but you know, you've been in those groups where your friend is not open to new people coming in. She's yeah. a little possessive of you. Speak to those type of relationships and 
can you change these people? Can you, what's at the root of all that? I think it's insecurity, but you tell me. Well, I also think there's, I I agree with insecurity, Gail, but what I will tell you from, from interviewing enough people about friendships, what it usually is boiling down to is control. Mm. That person likes to dictate where you're going to go. They want to be the alpha. And if it's female situation, they want to be the alpha leader in that female group, Uh, but they want to call the shots. And then when somebody in the group decides that they want different rules, it's like, no, 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 that's not the rules. That's not how we do this. We always go here. We always do that. I'll let you know every, and it's a control issue. So, um, and what happens though, is it's usually good for a period of time until the followers then decide that this just isn't what they like anymore. And then the anarchy comes and then they start peeling off and, and it doesn't get, it doesn't get nice. So, um, but once again, some people are fine with that. I have some folks that, that are like, oh no, such and such always makes all the plans and we do exactly what she says and we follow the leader. And it's like, great. If that works for your social dynamics, that's fantastic. You know, and if that person's willing to take on the planning role, you know, that's great. However, if it's a dictating kind of thing, like, no, we don't like that person because that they have this or they don't do that or, you know, um, well, that person and I'm just going to throw tennis out there. That's what's popping in my mind. Like when we, when I did a presentation at one of the country clubs and when one of the women said, well, I'd still like to see you all later. Oh, well, we're just a tennis club. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. she just said she wants to be a friend and see you all. You all don't meet for coffee afterwards. And then they said, oh, well, yeah, that, well, yeah, we see each other for coffee, but, but she has to be part of the tennis club. And I thought, oh, this is it reminding me of high school. Yeah. So, so, so if you're, yeah, if, well, that they don't see it as rude, they see it as clickish and they see it as that you're part of this. And so it's very black and white in their rules. Mm. I'm roll that way. But once again, remember we said at the top of the, the, the broadcast here about you now, you got to know your values and you got to know your beliefs and what you stand for. And I, I, my main thing is I will not tolerate meanness. Mm-hmm. And to me, when somebody says you cannot belong to this and they've expressed an interest, it needs to be a genuine reason. And I do think, Elizabeth, though, it, it, don't you believe that there are people who are just better at weaving in out of different social situations and in and out of different groups of people that innately, like for me, that's fun. That's normative. I don't want to be put in a box that I'm just this person. I belong to this group. I've never liked that. I like the flavor. I like the diversity. I like to have lots of different friends and occasionally bring those together. Um, But in my mind, there's some of us that are more comfortable with that innately. And I think if you're not super secure, that may be a problem for you to, mm-hmm. you know, leave the safe group. And, you know, the safe group not may not mean the best group. These people may not be your best, the best friends for you, but you know what you're getting. So a lot of us will tolerate what we know, even if it's bad, you know, versus the unknown. And I think women are notoriously a little bit skittish about meeting new people, about new situations, whereas... Christina and I are the ones that bust up in the room and say, hey, what's going on? And we're scanning the room for who's going to be our new best friend rather than just looking for the person we know. And So, so true. But I've, I've seen a lot of pushback to this, even like in church circles. I used to be the person at my ladies Bible study that set up like the small groups. I did all the book ordering, the bookkeeping, all that. 
And the thing with the small groups we had is, you know, they had to be even, but we had this policy that you could ask if there's somebody you really wanted to be with, like your mom comes with you or your sister, or you have a new friend you invited in. But one group had gotten so out of control about who had to be with whom that their group had no space for a new person. And so I suggested, <laughs> imagine the shock of these ladies in um, small town, South Carolina. My suggestion is you throw the names in a hat and draw them out. you know they just and I had at the time we were in a Presbyterian church and I reminded them that um God's got it all pre-selected anyway so do you trust him or do you not I mean I really laid it out for him because this was church if we're not gonna be open to new people at church where are we gonna be open to new people so we actually did make some changes there and some people were not excited about it and I'm standing there looking at them like you're inviting women in this church door and then you're going to stand over there in a click and not make her feel welcome. She can't be in your group because you've got to be with your friends, Susie and Marsha. I mean, it was just so unbelievable, but we just it don't like stop and think sometimes it, it was yeah. worse. I th- it was like, Oh my gosh. And once again, that's what people tolerate. So when you know your values and beliefs and what, so what I would say is you're not negotiable, which you've just told me I've heard is that when somebody stands up and goes, we're not going to have any more people coming over here or we can't, we don't have room for anybody else at the table. Well, hell, I'll go get another chair and go get another plate out of the cupboard and push people over. I will make room. You feel that same way too. So that, Gail, is one of your not negotiables. So for the listeners today, if they can identify what their not negotiable is, I just told you what mine was, is I won't be around mean people. And I told you my story about moving seven times before I got to high school. So I have have like super bat radar capabilities to spot mean people before they even show their selves and their characteristics to other people. You know, dogs notice that dogs and young children can pick up on mean people. We used to know these things when we were kids. And what were we told? Don't say that. That's not nice to say that about Miss Jones or Bobby. Or, and then what would they later find out? Oh, you're right. Miss Jones and Bobby, they're mean. <laughs> so, but we knew it, but we have stopped. We've stopped our radar ability to pick up. So Gail, I would encourage your listeners, you know, find out what your not negotiable is. And if yours is like, look, there's always room here, especially like in a Christian environment. It's like, like we're supposed to be of, you know, helping one another in, in the open table. Um, one of the things in the book and collecting true friends I would throw out there too is later on in the book, it talks about how to spot a friend in need. Because mm. I heard you saying, Gail, you kept saying, well, how do we find new people? How do we bring new people into our lives? Because if we want, if that circle won't let us in, then how are we going to find a new friend over here? Well, one of the easiest ways to do that is to listen when somebody is in need. We bump into people all the time. Like I bumped into a realtor, I'm sorry, a lady who was working with the realtor and the realtor had never once given her information on how she could get hold of an H, we call it HVAC, heating, ventilation, air conditioning company, right? And when I saw the lady and I didn't know her, I said, are you feeling all right? And she goes, no, I'm exhausted. My house, it's been 98 degrees for a week oh. and I have a and I can't get anybody to come out and my realtor's not returning my call. And I said, no problem. And I picked up my phone and I called a friend who owns an HVAC company. Mm -hmm. When we can spot somebody in need, 
And I didn't want anything from her. I didn't, I didn't make a commission or an affiliate of recommending her, but I got my friend on the phone and I'm like, look, this, this lady, I just met her, but she's got a newborn in the house and she needs some help. Is there any way that you can either bring over one of those supersized fans or do something until you can get her service call? They came out that afternoon, did a service call, even though they were booked solid for two weeks, but she needs know her circumstance. So spotting a need in somebody, it could be that they're new to the area and they don't know where a good trusted sitter is. They don't know what vet to go to. They don't know where the best fruits and vegetable stand is and that it always opens up every March and everybody knows that except them. Yeah. They don't know. It. So it, if that's you when you move, oh my gosh, you yeah, need right? those kind of, and let me, let me qualify for our listeners, the difference between someone with a need and someone who is need. We all Mm. run from the people who are clingy and, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who has a problem you can solve, someone who has a way that you can assist them. And sometimes when you just step in there, you know, it just starts a beautiful new relationship. So I want to move forward to, Christine, do you have something else on that? No, Elizabeth wanted to. uh, I was going to say flip it for me, though, ladies, because I want you to also think about this. This is the other thing. And I covered this in the book because I've seen this happen multiple times. You know how to do something. You have a resource. I've told you I got this going on. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. Good luck with that. How do I later feel about you? I've seen this happen too many times. How do I later feel about you when I find it like you knew your brother owns the company or you you take your dog and walk him up to the vet or or you have. And then I find and I'm like, or I love this one. You have refinanced your home, done the financial thing, gone through this, gone through that. got And yet you never once mentioned to me and I told you I'm struggling with this and you couldn't share some information with me when when that happens. So if anybody's listening here and they're going, well, I, okay, because I love this with us women. So I'm throwing the, here's your other truth bomb out. With midlife moxie, there's something that happens and I don't know why, but I think we were told too many times, nobody wants to hear what you're going to say. Be quiet. Don't be boastful. Don't share that. Don't do that. But when we don't stand up and go, you know what? I've got experience in that if that would help you. I actually know the answer to that if you'd like to know. That's different than us saying, well, let me tell you what you should do. But when we don't feel comfortable and secure enough to stand up and say, I might have an answer for you if you'd like to talk to me, what happens is then when that person finds out and they've been hunting left and right for that answer, and then they come back to, they could, you could have given it to them. I don't know how y'all feel, but I'm the person that stands there and goes, really? And then I don't trust that person anymore because I feel like you saw me suffering and you chose not to help me. And I, I was in need. How do you all feel about that? I know you're yeah. interviewing me here, but, but no, I've I, seen real I, friendships. Yeah, I feel the same way, especially if I'm in a place of need and suffering. And then there's times, too, where I'm like, okay, if I give them this, is it something of, of value to them? Is it going to um, better them or better their circumstances or whatever, then, then I'll, then I'll act because sometimes like just finding a, I mean, please don't think badly, but you know, finding a heat and air person might, they might have, you know, 50 recommendations. So I don't feel like I have to go in and say something. However, if it's something like I'm trying to find a really good therapist 
you know, and I, in California, it's really hard right now to find a good therapist because they're all really, really busy. And yeah, so, they opened up to you about something. They were vulnerable and they right, said, right. This is, and that's a moment where we have to, in my opinion, to really honor the sacredness of that. If somebody has right. shared something with us that they don't, that they need help with, we may not have the answer, but we may say, you know what? I do think I know someone to call, at least get a couple mm-hmm. names for. Yeah. But in, instead of what I hate is when they turn around and they go, good luck with that. Hope that works. <laughs> Let me know how that turns out. You know, hope the firemen show up in time to tell you your house was on fire because I saw it when I was walking by. I mean, good Lord. I've heard some people say some of the silliest things over the years to friends. And they were like, well, I didn't want to be nosy and tell her this or say that or offer that. And then I'm like, well, are you still friends? Well, no. And I'm thinking, no. No blank, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think part of this is one, just be a good person. Can we just start there? You don't even have to be someone's friend to do something good because I do think those things have a way of coming back to you in the universe and they're honored. Um, sometimes you don't do it to make a new friend. You just do it because it's right. But I just also want to encourage and challenge our listeners to become a person who is inclusive rather than exclusive. And if you've been exclusive up to this point. If you've been the girl who's uncomfortable when your friend makes a new friend, if you're uncomfortable when someone new comes into the group, to really do some soul searching about why you feel that way, because sweetheart, you're undervaluing yourself. If you think you can be replaced that easily, then there's something wrong. Like, I know Christina ain't gonna find another gal. That's just not possible. I mean, I'm a one of a kind, babe. I mean, really think of your own value. And if If you don't think you have value, then you've got to work on that within yourself. That's not a friendship problem. That's a you problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more work we do on ourselves and the more we know about ourselves, like through things like the Enneagram, I think the better friends we make, the better friendships we, we form, the better we are in the relationship, the, the, the more somebody wants to be connected to us Mm -hmm. when we are whole and mature. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to go through times where we're wounded or suffering, but, you know, work on yourself. Make yourself the girl that people just can't wait to have as a friend. Exactly. But with that, I want to go back to that. You know, someone says they're sitting there listening, Elizabeth, and they're like, I really just don't have any friends because here's the thing that happens in midlife. In my opinion, a lot of our friends up to that point, if you weren't careful and you weren't cognizant of what was happening, you tended to make friends with moms who had children the same age as your children. And as your children get older, get into high school and you're not having play dates or being the room mom or having to go to Cubby Scouts with them, there tends to be some break in those relationships. And if your kids aren't hanging out anymore and you had nothing else that connected you, sometimes women in midlife roll into this space and find that they're not as connected as they thought they were. And they can feel very lonely. So what are your best tips when someone needs and wants to make some new friends? Where do they start and what does the process, what does a healthy version of that process look like? Well, what you described in, in is what I've coined, it's called situational friendships. So they happen at the workplace. They happen because we're cheering on the sideline of some sports for our kids. We're in a stadium together. We're on a field. We go camping. 
My, uh, we have three daughters. Our daughters were active, very active in uh, Girl Scouts. Lots of camping trips, lots of activities like that. So you really start bonding with parents when you have to start coordinating things and trusting them to drive your children and everything. However, what I would recommend is as you're going through those years, truly start paying attention. I, I know I sound like the, the parrot here. Pay attention, though, once again, who has your values and your beliefs. Because you will start, if you start looking at the people that way, instead of just like, oh, we're, it's the pack of us 20 parents and all of us are equal and all of us together. Well, you already know the people that you trust better or that maybe then you start dividing it out and you're like, well, out of the 20 people, there's five couples or five mom and dads that I would like to start bringing over for the barbecue at our house. You already start culling out some of them. So, so don't, wait 10 years later when you're in situational friendships, like people in the office, and then you've left the office, start, look, that's the first thing is start making sure that you've identified it. I recommend it on a piece of paper, write down your values, write down your beliefs, and then start, start putting people's names next to it. They're already in your life right now. So before they exit, write down who you think might be continuing a potential friend. If they are getting ready to leave, like your children are going to stop doing those activities. You know, you're getting ready to leave the office environment. Maybe you're going to be relocating or maybe you're divorcing. Maybe there's something big that's happening in your world, right? Make sure that then you're talking to the person. And that's the intent of collecting true friends is that it is, it is an intentional action that you're taking that if you tell these people how much you value them, while they're in your life, then it's, then they will be more inclined for if you want to continue that when you leave. Your, your activities have changed. Your location's changed. You've, something's changed. But that way you can say, you know what? I want us to stay connected. Can we, can we perhaps start a new activity together? Are mm. you interested in doing this? Or maybe, and we'll go back to the Girl Scout examples. You know what? We've spent the last 10 years camping together. Hey, are any of y'all interested in doing this privately? And let's all go down, down to the beach on the Outer Banks and we'll do, and we'll take it to a whole new arena. You know, this time it's on our terms. <laughs> we don't have to so, so let me ask you the flip side of this, Elizabeth. Sure. And this might be a little bit funny, but how do you break up with a friend? Yes. So if we're talking about situational friendships, the best thing you can do is if they have not done you anything absolutely what I call atrocious, that's one of my favorite words, if it hasn't been something that's just so atrocious that you can't live with anymore, just let distance time and fade that because you don't want to damage any bridges and hurt anybody because they could be very sensitive and wounded. Hmm. I mean, it really is best to take the high road with it. However, if it's something that they have done something so atrocious, like continually broke your trust, um, thrown you under the bus, things just, I mean, really had ill will towards you. And then they want to continue to see you later. Then, you know, then that's a no, you're going to, you're that's going to have to, no, <laughs> it is, I but think I'm just kind uh, because it, here, it, it, I, I see Gail, I'm a little bit different. I wouldn't just say, no, I don't plan ever seeing you again. I would probably just say, you know what? I'm just not sure this last times that we've spent mm -hmm. together has really been congruent for both of us. So I'll, th I'll think about that, which yeah. to me. You're too nice because I'm an Enneagram I, 8. 
<laughs> and if you betray me or lie to me, bend my loyalty. Oh, we are D-O-N-E. And I may burn your house down just so you know. I mean, that is yeah. like the worst thing you can do for me. Well, I, yeah. I will say this. I have had people in my life that I thought, oh, we were friends and they turned, they just like, they basically believed a lie that somebody told them about right. me. And then I, it made me realize, well, then that's who you always thought I was right. if, mm. if you believed the lie. And I don't know if that's truth, but there's two people in particular that I can um, um, say this about. And I have tried to reconcile to find out like, what? really what, what happened here? And not that I want to be their friends. Absolutely not. Because clearly you could do this again. And like Gail, you broke, you, yeah, you broke, yeah, you (laughs) broke my trust. It's a hard no. However, I still have this thing where I'm like, help me to understand what I did that made you feel that way. So that maybe in the future, if it's something that's valid, I can work on it. And I think that people don't do that enough. And I, I just don't like that. I don't like it when people go, oh, I just don't like her because she's blah, 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 blah. They never said that to your face. And to me, I'm like, well, wow, you're just like doing the whole projection thing, aren't you? You need some therapy, but. <laughs> a couple of, couple of tips there. And you've, you've hit on a, a lot of the don'ts, Christina. One, one thing we do recommend is absolutely do not talk about this with another person before you talk with the other person. So like Gail said, if you've done this, and and it's different between something being atrocious. If it's atrocious, you do have to you do have to take it head on. I just I just prefer to seek to understand first before right. I give them the heck no, I'm done with you. I'll burn your house down mode. I mean, I got to really get clarity on like, did I understand this right? But once I have, oh, true. once I understand, when I, when I understand, it's like, so you chose to do this. So, but I, so yes, yeah, seeking clarity. However, Let me give you d- my knife, your knife back, the one that's lodged <laughs> in my, in my upper shoulder blade. That's right. That's right. Well, gosh, well, Elizabeth, we're getting close on time and there's so much more we want to cover here. Oh, I would like, <laughs> oh yeah. Will you come yeah. for a part two? Cause I yeah. want to talk about what do you think? make someone a good friend Mm. how can we be a good friend because a good friend does not mean i will solve all your problems in my mind a good friend does not mean i'm going to drop everything else in my life for you so when we think about ultimately what what is a good friend and how can we make ourselves a better friend to others because I'm not that girl that just wants to blame someone else. Well, you weren't a good friend or you did this. How can I be a better friend? I want to be that person that I'm such a good friend that everybody wants to be my friend because you know, I'm collecting true friends, Elizabeth. So what say you about that? Oh, that's beautiful. I love how you weave the title in there to be a true friend. And it's, and it's different than collecting friends, but to be a true friend is to somebody is that you genuinely want the best for them in life and you want them to have the best and be the best that they can be. It also means that you're very careful of their emotions because not everybody is ready to be the best version of them. So if we see something in them and we're trying to push them in that direction, we have to also realize that there's a human being on the other side of it 
and not just shoulda all over them. That's mm. shoulda is not a good thing to keep a true friendship because we may see it, you know, but yet we, we can't, we can't be the person if we're really their true friend that goes, you know what you just should do. <laughs> we have to get them and work with them to get that awareness. Now to when somebody is our true friend and we can, we can always validate that is ask yourself, do you feel better after you spent time with that person? And when you had highs and lows or at church yesterday, I heard it really interesting. They talked about the woes, blessings mm. and woes. And I loved that. I went, Oh, I like that. I'm going to adopt that blessings and woes. So when things have been really, really great with your friend, was that the only time that, that you felt good and healthy and happy and felt nourished in the relationship? And then likewise, or when you had some woes, were they there for you? Because there's some, and those, and if they're not there for the woes, then those are what we used to call fair weather friends. And that's not a true friend. It doesn't mean you need to get rid of them. It just means that you need to know what you can expect out of that person and not expect and quit. And I'll, as my wise husband said, quit expecting more from people than they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And when you stop expecting that because you realize they're not ever going to be on that level. They're a fair weather friend. They're good for this. They're good for that. You can be friends with them. You can have a good time, but they're not going to ever be your true, true friend who, if, if it hits the fan, you can call them at 3 a.m. and go, I need you. And they're like, I'm there. I mean, they already got one sock on and their car keys in their hand. Okay. So, you know, I think some of the best friends for me are ones because I'm not good at asking for help. I guess that's a weakness, Elizabeth. I can't possibly ask for help. Any mm-hmm. grandmaid, I can rule the world. I don't need yep. that. She does um, not. <laughs> so, friends who and are in my like, circle. But say I, that I again. Know, I know you, when. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know when Gail's like needing support or help, even though she's not saying it. Like I can hear it in her voice. And it's right. interesting. That, it must be a thing because a lot of you friends will say that to me. Are you okay? And I'm like, what are you? they're not even looking. I'm on the phone, you know, but I appreciate the people in my life who are sensitive enough and caring enough to me to look because I'm, I'm always the strong one. I'm the one who's going to lead the pack. I'm the one that's going to put it together. I'm the one that I seek out the one who's in her cave hurting. But people forget that people like me also have our moments. So some of my most valued friends are the ones who recognize that and they know me intimately enough to know when something's off. But I also want to say this. You don't have to love everything about a person to be close to them. That's right. right. Christina and I have vast differences in <laughs> politics, music, our past, but there's Except this we bond were, there. We were on point yesterday. We were on point yesterday on our music. With a, yeah, <laughs> she was, she was, you know, there with Mary J and I'm over here with Eminem and um, we're oh, getting yeah, it done. Right. Yeah. Well, I love me some Mary J. I mean, we do need some commonality with people. I do think that's key to a good friend. There has to be some common strains there. You're just not going to have much to share. But for me, one of the most uh, things that I look for to be that abiding thread is Mm -hmm. trust and loyalty. And that has to do with my Enneagram. Some people have different needs, but for me, trust and loyalty, I can take it if you smell, if you're just not you know, you don't want to eat the same food I am. I can take a lot of things. If you give me your trust and loyalty, I will tolerate a lot of other, I want to kill her kind of things, but I love her, you know, 
And that's do you find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Trust is trust is just vital. And back to what Christina was saying, though, when someone is unhappy with someone in the friendship circle and then they tell somebody else, that's when they break the trust. Mm-hmm. because that's where they should have come and talked to us directly. And there's nothing more painful. And I'm going to say this for the listeners, especially as women and girlfriends, it doesn't matter what age we are. There's nothing more painful than we hear that somebody's disappointed in us or we hurt them or they're angry at us, but we didn't hear it from them. When mm-hmm. we hear that third person, then it just, it's like a knife. Like you said, the knife in the back kind of thing. We're like, ah, 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 because it doesn't give us a chance to cure it. And it also doesn't hold us personally accountable to fix it. So it's like somebody telling something painful that you did to them. However, we have no chance to cure and then we're held helpless. So it's, it's um, trust. Trust is something that it, it, it takes time to build. That's why I was saying at the very beginning when we were talking about how do you introduce friends into your circle? You got to know you can trust their behavior before mm. subtitle before they're well, worthy of being included. Well, the one thing though that I can say is I think that and and I could be wrong, but I think that with women sometimes they get their they get all up in their feelings and they get very hurt. And then they spout off, not realizing, oh, wait a minute, I need to talk to that person. And then when they talk to that person, it's already been around the mulberry bush several times. And so there's no, there's no like stopping the fire. Because Sometimes there's an explanation too. Right. Like if you found out that I went to the movies with my friend Susie and didn't invite you, you might feel excluded. But the fact may have been that Susie was having a crisis and needed Mm -hmm. me to go to the movies and it needed to be alone because we needed to have some talk. So it wasn't about me excluding you. It was about Susie. So I always appreciate when friends don't jump to conclusions. Yeah. I need you, if you're my friend, I need you to know my character enough that anything that comes your way about me that said to you or you perceive that you put it through the filter of what you already know about me. And if you're not that kind of girl, we're probably not going to make it. You know, Elizabeth, something else, if, if you don't think I'm funny, we're not going to make it. <laughs> That's a, that's a relationship killer. If you don't think I'm funny, then we're done. We're done. That's because they have humor. I I was at an international meeting and I won't say what, what um, nationality this, but they're not known for having a big sense of humor. We'll just say that. And I said, Oh my goodness, you were so funny. And she says, I am not funny. And I was like, okay, here we go. We're we're like, I got nothing. Right. It was, and what she said was actually really funny, but, but from her world and her culture, it was like, we do not make jokes. And I was like, okay, done. We're good. And I, I went over and got some tea. So, um, but you know, I love that Gail. It's like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, because we, we've got to be able to trust one another. We've got to be able to move forward. If you're in a circle of friends, cause I know you want to, you want to pull it up on a high note here. If you're in a circle of friends, that you, um, that you just truly, truly value. And, and it doesn't have to be a huge circle. You may have three, right? And, and figure that, tell them. Yes. Tell them. It's, t- you know, today is a perfect day to call them up and say, you know what? Something reminded me about you. And I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate and value you in my life. Or if they've done something recently for you, like Gail had pointed out, us overachiever, planners, dominant alpha women, 
we are not the ones that usually get taken care of. We are usually nope. ones that feed everybody. And something as simple as like, hey, can I do anything to help you? Is there anything, you know, like, can I make your life better somehow? Because you were always there for me. Just just honor them. Tell them. But don't wait. And that's why most marriages break up is because they wait too long to tell them, like, like I like this about you. I love that about you. I, I thank you about that. you got to do that in friendships, too. You don't have to be in a romantic relationship to honor somebody. Absolutely. I've seen more friendships break up because the other person said, I had no idea that that person really valued me that much. Mm. And then what I love when you affirm someone in front of others, yes, yes, like when I bring you into my group and I tell them what I love about you or how awesome you are. (laughs) (laughs) Notification. That was that was like the word I was waiting for. Tell them why you value them. Yeah, because that to me uh, is just so beautiful that it says, I am secure enough to raise you up in this group. I don't have to beat you down for me to maintain my position or importance. Mm -hmm. I am willing to put you up on a stand and say, look at my wonderful friend. Look at this beautiful woman. Look at what she has to offer. And I think that's just, I think we don't do that enough and we need to do it more often. And I think when we make deposits into other people's tank of confidence Um, that that's just one of the best gifts we can give to women, especially women who, um, you know, maybe insecure in this midlife season or maybe struggling, maybe their husbands just left them or they lost their job or their kids went off and they're just, or they're just feeling kind of frumpy dumpy. Take the opportunity to make deposits into people. I don't think you'll be sorry. And it takes nothing from you. Um, One quick last thing I want you to speak on is if we could all, man talk because I'm I'm all down for being just brutal honesty so tell us what you mean by that and how that helps us form good friendships so man talk is a term I use in the book and it actually came from a discussion I was having with my husband and I was telling this long story of what was going on and this and that and everything and then he succinctly brought it down into like four words and I was like wow like, like, for example, I told you earlier when he said, quit expecting more from people than they're capable of. That is man talk, my girlfriends that are listening out there. That is man talk. But a woman, we would have taken two pages. Well, and when then and this, and blah, 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 you don't have to do that. So when you are working with somebody, if you want to be their friend, man talk them. Say, I have so enjoyed this. I'd love to see you again. Let's get on the calendar. Let me pull up my phone right now. Let's pick a date. That's man talk. Girl talk is when we're like, oh my God, this was so much fun. La, 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 la. And then like a paragraph or two later, the person's still not sure. Like, okay, well, she said she had a good time. And then they walk away. So Mm -hmm. man talk is when you're getting your message through, you're clear, and you you also have something that you need to have delivered. You need the person with clarity to understand what you're saying. And then man talk is also, uh, and the story I used in the book, for example, when two men working in an office situation, for example, the one man kept dropping the F-bomb and the other man said, hey, this is not going to suit well in your career. You have got to quit cussing like a sailor, even though you came from the docks. This is, you're, you're now here. This is not working. And it could also be offensive to certain religions and all sorts of things, right? And different types of people. And Um, That's man talk. 
But a woman, sometimes we would get more like somebody really needs to say something, or we would probably say, Hey, um, you know, Jack, you may not want to go around saying the F, but that's not man talk. You know, uh, and when we man talk, we go, you need to quit saying that. And I actually did that one time in my office. I, my boss used to go around um, saying GD it all the time. He was blasphemic. And, and I finally said to him, I said, I don't ever want to hear those words again. Stop saying that in front of my presence and don't use it in front of my staff. Mm. That was me man talking to him. So if we can man talk as women more, we could be like, Hey, I think we should set up a clubhouse room together. I, I would love to promote you. Let me, so just be clear, be more direct. And if you feel like your messages are getting lost, it's because you're not clear. You're giving a paragraph when you could use four words. Oh my gosh, girl, you're speaking my language. Cause I'm like, just shoot it to me straight. Stop all the fluff. If it is what it is, you know, like, let's just do that. However, here's the deal. Not a lot of women take to that. I have noticed that, you know, especially the different Enneagram types and Elizabeth, I'm not sure if you, you know, have studied the Enneagram types. I'm sure you probably have in the support of this book. Um, We're obsessed. Softer. So it's your tone and intonation, mm-hmm. 38% of your communication. A lot of it is the way, like notice my voice is getting softer. My tone's getting a little bit more paused. So when in the way we're delivering our messages and our body language can really affect how it comes across. So if you're going to man talk, you're right. Don't go in with like, and I'm going to tell you. So <laughs> go say, Hey, I, there's something I need to tell you. Can you, mm-hmm. can you get me and listen here. You know, yeah. I, so, so watch your tone, watch your body language. If you know what the person's Enneagram is, if they're a nurturer, absolutely talk in their language. Listen, I, there's something I'm really feeling. I need you to understand this. This is very important that this is, this is something it's not working well. So, right. but, but, so watch your tone, watch your body language, but get your message across. And then at the end, so like if they're an audio person, you know, is that resonating with you? Did it ring a bell? Is that something that you're hearing that, that we can make, move forward and fix? I mean, it's so work in their language, but get your message across. You know, Elizabeth, too, I think before we deliver that message, it's really important to consider where the message is coming from within us. Mm -hmm. Are we being petty? Are we being jealous? Are we being small? What is this something that truly needs to be said? And why are we speaking out of a hurt feeling or an insecurity? Or is this something that's truly going to be helpful for that person to hear? Also, I noticed in your language, you said, I need rather than you need, you know, when you go to somebody and said, you need to stop doing this, or you need to stop doing that. That is just, you know, nobody's going to receive that well. But if you can say, you know, as our friendship grows, what I need from you is, or what I would value is, that's clear. It's truthful, but it puts it on you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then it's up to that person if they want to meet that need or, you know, go there with you. But a lot of times we just throw up on people 
what's wrong with them. You need to, like you said, the should haves, um, you gotta, things like that, rather than, I, I know sometimes when Christina and I talk, we talk in our Enneagram numbers. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, my eight mm-hmm. feels this way when your seven does this. <laughs> and it makes me get more eight and you don't really want that because yeah. it does. Because eight's just going to, we're going to crank it up. We're just going to get harder, you know? Yeah. And then we understand each other also when we say, you know, when you do this, this is how it makes me yeah. feel. This is how, rather than blah, blah, blah. And that, that may be something that's germane and, and, mm-hmm. and personal to me, but you know, when we can grow together and we can help sand off our sharp edges, we all win. We yes. all win. We preserve these relationships. We grow them and we grow ourselves when we learn to communicate well and we learn to know where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and there we are, friends, another hour. There you go. And, t- you and tell the people in your language, too, just like you said, on a high note, I want to close on a high note there, that you could say, hey, when you do this, that was amazing because I need more of that. Like I just walked with a friend at the mall today because it's cold here in Virginia. And I was like, when you text me and say, hey, are we on? Even though I'm waking up going, I could stay here in this nice warm house. You help me. And I love that you make me a better person and get me to out, actually out there walking. I love that. Affirming. Now, affirm what you want because it's mm-hmm. like with the dog. You, you can't keep, keep walking around telling him, no, I'm not going to walk. No, I'm not going to walk. What's the dog? here oh we're going for a walk (laughs) so tell them in a positive way what you want more of and then attract that back Mm, I love that I love that you ended there because affirming what you need from that person is priceless it's yeah and it's about your need so they don't Mm -hmm. have to feel any kind of way and they get the opportunity to meet your need. Mm-hmm. And when when that happens, then you're just dancing the tango together. You know, you put your foot here, I'll put mine here. And let me just tell you, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to be the perfect friend. There's, there's a lot that goes on in there. And to me, it's fitting it together like puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's see where, how we can fit rather than get all upset about every little thing that's not perfect. And let's see if we're truly connected on the things that really matter. And if you are, then the rest is usually negotiable and you can have pockets of friends. Like you can have your friends you hike with and you can have your bougie friends you shop with. And, um, you know, I know which of my friends are going hiking and I know which ones want to go to the Gucci store. You know, I know who they are. <laughs> And it's not that they can't ever intertwine, but sometimes you do need different pockets and that's okay. Just don't be exclusionary. You know, invite the friend in and say, I know you don't love this, but just so you know, you're always welcome. I think that's a beautiful thing you can say. Well, Elizabeth, we're going to have you back again because we've barely scratched the surface of your amazing book. It's called Collecting True Friends. Be a magnet to those worthy of your time and devotion. It's available on Amazon and all major booksellers, and it's a bestseller already. It's a beautiful work, and it's an actionable work. And I appreciate the time you put into that because you could have just talked and not really tied it up in a bow for people. And I think that's that extra step that can make the difference in someone's life, Elizabeth. So we know you're busy. You're out there speaking. You're doing all the things. I'm sure you have a TEDx coming soon. That's got to be in your future. And we, gosh, you've given us over an hour and we truly appreciate it. So Christina, 
Tell them where they can find Midlife Moxie and all that's going on because it's a lot. Oh my gosh, there are so many places, you guys, and we're so excited that our community is continuing to grow. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing here uh, in Midlife Moxie is collecting true friends and also, and also um, being that intergenerational um, need that's being filled right now through Midlife Moxie. So you can find us um, at Midlife Moxie. Dot net and Moxie is M-O-X-I-E. That is our website. You can drop your email, uh, get on our email list there. We also have a brand new Facebook group. It's called Midlife Moxie. Just come and check out the conversation. It's going to be an extension of what we're doing here on the podcast. And we just want to grow the community. You can ask our Moxie partners questions. You're able to also interact with Gail and I. And we're just going to have some fun, fun, fun there. Then we also have <laughs> our Midlife Moxie podcast at gmail.com where you can actually send us topics or if you think you might be a good life good life good midlife moxie partner you know tell us your story or tell us what you're an expert in because you know what we're looking for people that have a pivotal story that are an expert in their field or in certain situations and we want to hear from you. So those are all the places that you can contact us. And then we also have our Instagram handles that you can find us as well. So Gail, what say you? I say, please reach out and connect with us. We truly want this to be a community and we truly want to hear from you. And we want to give you a chance to connect with one another. So help us grow this community and then we can bring more things to you. Again, thanks to our guest, Elizabeth Duncan Hawker, and that's Duncan slash that's a hyphen um hawker and you can find her book where um books are sold and christina until next time what do we say go and get your moxie on bye-bye now